Yo, this is Pastor Tiro here welcoming you to another episode of my revolutionary podcast where I'm here to help you find faith in Christ and how to follow through with your life. And today we are continuing our series called Truth Over Trends by finishing up part two of a two part message focusing on how men and women can glorify God in the way that they view and treat those of the opposite sex. So last week we focused on the ladies and focused on the roles and responsibility God had given you. And now it's time for the fellas. And so let's just jump right in and see how men can glorify God better by doing it according to the way he has designed and given us the example to follow. Now, that is a truth that we declared. And by the way, that song, it ends with that word that we end our prayers with, right? Which is what word starts with an A. Amen, right? And amen has nothing to do with gender. Amen is an old word. It is a different word from a different language that actually means truth. And so when we pray, when we pray these things, when we say and end our prayers and our songs with amen, we are saying, God, I believe that you are true. And everything that I've been praying I, have, I mean it and I hope it and I desire it for it to be true. Like I'm telling you the truth. Whether, whatever that is, it is truth and truth matters. That is why we're doing our series just on that, focusing on the importance of truth versus the trends of this world. And we've been focusing on the why that's so more important, why that's so important. Because right there, see guys, listen, the kingdom of God operates under truth. And the kingdom of darkness operates with a different truth. And it likes to mask its truth, twist the truth, make it trendy, make it cool, make it appetizing so that we would follow it. And it would lead us away from God, away from him. See, the truth of God is knowing God. The trends of this world keep us from knowing God and finding life. And so we're continuing the series on let's look at and examine certain truths that are in this world. And let's look at what they claim to be true and let's compare it to the truth of God. So that his kingdom may continue to advance in our minds and in our souls and our lives in all that we do and not the kingdom of darkness. And so if you've been, uh, if you've missed or if you were with us last week, today we are wrapping up a two-part sermon where we've been focusing on truths and trends regarding men and women and regarding what are our roles and responsibilities. And so last week it was, we focused on the women. Today we're going to focus, because I thought it was Father's Day, it would be great to focus on men today. And we talked about this general thing, all right, which we started last week, we're going to continue today. In the eyes of God, both men and women are equal. I need you to understand that. We are equal in value, equal in importance, equal in essence, all right? That is what God is saying. In the Old Testament said they were created equal in the image and likeness of God. It doesn't mean we are God's. Not at all. It just means we have a reflection. There is something about how God made us that reflects God to the world. All right? Nature. There's things in nature that reflect God. All of creation gives glory to God, which is a word that we've been breaking down. To glorify God is to make him known. And we've been talking about it last week and this week that there is a way that we can reflect the nature of God by being Men and women according to how God has designed us to operate in. And so we're focusing on those things. Though men and women are equal in worth and in value, we see that consistent in the old and in the new. We also see what's consistent is that we have unequal roles and responsibilities, meaning different. Okay, One is not more important than the other, but one needs the other. All right, So uh, men, we need women in our lives. Can I get a... 
Amen on that one. Men need women. Women, yeah, we need men, right? Women need men too. We need each other. And so with that, with that, we're going to focus just on the fellas today because we did that last week. So today we're going to focus on how can men glorify God, reflect the nature of God by being men in the way that he has called us to operate in roles and responsibilities. And we're going to see how men ought to view and treat women. So for all the women in the house online, this one's great because we're going to outline. All right, I'm going to help you filter. I'm going to give you a filter that's going to help you save some heartbreaks and whatnot. So help you look. This is the kind of dude you need to be looking for. If he ain't matched this up, He's a scrub. Leave him alone. All right, so let him go. Let him go. All right, let, all right, there you go. And so, but with that, but fellas, this is going to be a good one as well for us to be able to examine, self-examine ourselves and look to see, Lord, this is the kind of person I want to be. So we're going to start all the way to the beginning with the first guy, all right? Adam, just like we did with the ladies, we focus on the first one. If we're going to talk about what does it mean to be a man, let's focus on the first man. And so let's read Genesis chapter 3. Before we put it up, we're going to read verses 17 and 19. Let me give you a quick backstory. Some of you all know this. Okay, some of y'all know this, but just to help everybody, make sure we're all tracking. At the very beginning, we see Genesis, which means, in the, you know, it's just a book of beginnings. This is how everything started. It is the introduction. It is the prologue to not only God himself, but all that he is doing. And in the first, we see in all of creation, God is making and doing things. And then when, you know, for six days or five days or so, he's making things. And we see something fast forward. But when it comes to humanity, mankind, on day number six, the narrative slows down. Notice that when he says he just made all the animals, he goes on another day, he made the light, and he made the this, and he made the stars, and he made the this. He makes all these things. But when it comes to humanity, the narrator Moses himself, we slow down because it is to show us that, yo, God is about to do something different and unique right here when it comes to mankind. Now, up until this point, when God had made all the animals and all, the, all of nature, he made it, both male and female, together. Which is interesting because then, when it comes to mankind, he makes man first. No females. And God makes the first negative descriptive statement. Everything he did, it is good, it is good, it is good. He makes man, it is not good that man be alone. So he makes Eve that helper. And here he goes. Now I got a situation. Now they're a pair. They're getting the work done. They're doing things in this world. And then some of y'all know the story. We have the serpent. The devil himself goes, deceives Eve, lays a thought in there and says, hey, don't trust God. He's holding out on you. You can be anything and everything you want to be without him. He's holding you back. In fact, you can get everything that God is promising you. You don't need him to get it. All you have to do is go ahead. That's why he's holding out on that. You can't eat from that one tree. All right? He's sus. You got to go. Go ahead. Do it. He's do it. And so she did. Turned around. Gave. Then she ate the fruit. Turned. Gave it to Adam. Adam ate the fruit after her. And then the scripture says, God. Well, before God did something, Adam and Eve recognized something. The scripture said the second Adam ate. Not when Eve ate. It was when Adam ate that their eyes were opened and they realized, uh-oh, we're naked. All right, meaning, uh, you know, I, we don't know the, the totality of if the fact that they just didn't realize that. I'm like, dude, you didn't feel the breeze at all, you know, like ever. We didn't know that. But this is just my, you know, there was when the fact that he's saying we are naked, meaning that there was something here that is no longer here. 
There was this spiritual connection that they were born with. They were created with this covering from the Lord. It was this reflection of him. There was this embrace, this, total, you know, this relationship that was so strong that they must have felt it covering them. Because the second Adam sinned, the sin broke that. And it was gone. The connection was gone. I'm like, uh-oh. We're naked. And so they're running around trying to cover themselves up with fig leaves and all those other things. And then God, the scripture says in chapter 3, he is walking around, walking around the garden, walking around, looking for Adam. He says, where are you, Adam? Where are you? Notice who is he not looking for? Eve. Listen, this is interesting. Eve ate. Nothing happened. Their eyes weren't open. Nothing happened. God didn't make a noise. Nothing. When Adam ate, their eyes were opened, and God came looking for him. He says, Adam, where are you? He goes to Adam, and he finds Adam, and he says, uh, well, in essence, God says, what happened? What ha- now, obviously, God knows what happened, but he wants him to explain it. All right? What happened here? And Adam, literally out of his mouth, he says, God the woman you gave me was deceived. She ate from the fruit. She gave me the fruit. Just kind of popped in my mouth. I just ate it, bro. It was her. That was Adam. Now, just slow down to the audacity of that statement. He's not just blaming Eve. Y'all catch it? I would have loved to hear the inflection. Did, did Adam, like, what did he emphasize? Did Adam emphasize, listen, God, the woman you gave me. Okay, the woman you gave me, her, she did it. Look, you and I, we, we were good without her, man. Look what happened. Look what happened when she did. Or did God emphasize, I mean, did I, Adam emphasize this? Because this is what he said. Uh, God, Adam, what happened? What happened, Adam? Listen, the woman that you gave me, who's he blaming? Adam was blaming God. The woman you gave me, God, you did this, not me. I was good. I was fine. The second you did this and brought me here, look, that was fun for a minute, but look what happened, okay? The woman you gave me, Adam, takes no personal responsibility, blames Eve, blames God to his face. The fact that God let Adam finish that sentence, insane mercy right there. Just process that. The the, the second he let that, I mean, he just let it go. So Adam's like, uh, God's like, okay, I'll be right back. Eve, what happened? And then it was like, oh, the serpent. All right, it deceived me. Just, she's following his lead. Oh, we gonna play that game. Okay, yeah, I didn't do anything neither. Look, it was him. All right, so she, she's smart. All right, the serpent, he deceived me. So then God goes to the devil and curses the devil directly. Curses him and declares that, yeah, you might have had a, a win here, but I want you to understand. And he gives, gives a proclamation to the gospel. That I'm going to do something through mankind that's going to undo all of this. Just watch and you'll see. And he gives this promise, the first promise of the Messiah. And tells the devil, you might have bruised, you're going to end up bruising his heel, but he's going to crush your head. And so he he deals with the devil directly. He comes to Eve. And which we read that last week. He says, all right, Eve. He does not curse Eve. This is important, guys. He does not curse Eve. He says, Eve, here's the consequences to your decisions. This is what you're going to have to deal with. And then he goes, oh, and by the way, Adam, I need to talk to you goes back to him last. And what's interesting is Eve got one sentence. Adam got three. Listen, that is not a coincidence. The fact that God spoke more to Adam showed there is a different responsibility that was on him. That's why when 
things started to happen when Adam messed up. I know Eve gets all the rap sometimes, but uh, my man fumbled the ball, all right? It was him. So let's look at what God now tells him. He doesn't curse Adam. He just says, Adam, here's the consequences to the decision that you made. So let's look at chapter 3. We're going to read verses 17, 18, and 19. He says, and he, being God, said to the man, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I had commanded you, do not eat from it. Here's the consequence to the decision. The ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. And you will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground since you were taken from it. For, du- for you are dust and you will return to dust. So in, in essence, he's saying, listen, because of the decision that you made to follow her lead, this is a consequence that will last your entire life. This is something you're going to have to deal with for your whole life. Now, again, the fact that Adam got a longer talking to meant that there was a higher responsibility that God had placed on the man. Obviously, he dealt with Eve, but he had to deal with him, and that's very, very important. Now, I want you guys to understand, though, he talks a lot about hard work. Now, there's a good news in what, he, what Jesus just described. I need you to, or what the, the Spirit just described here. The fact that Adam still got to work was a good thing because before they fell, Adam had a purpose in this world. He had a job to do to reflect God. See, the garden was this perfect garden, perfectly manicured garden that God had created. But the whole world wasn't like it. The whole world was vast. It was, it was, un, it was you know, untamed. It was, it was all, you know, just, again, like some of us, if you've ever let, let your grass grow for a while, you know, like, oh, my gosh, it's yikes, you know. And so the garden was meant to say, look, I want to turn the whole world into this. Adam, you get to participate. And learn from this garden and go out into the world and duplicate, expand this garden, expand my kingdom into the world. So work is not a four-letter word, everybody. Work is not a bad thing. Work is not a consequence of the curse. This is good news. In essence, he's saying, Adam, I know you messed up, but guess what? Your purpose, my purpose in your life still remains. I don't care that, yeah, you did, and the devil got a hand. But listen, uh, your purpose still remains. You still have a purpose, and you still got a job to do. It's just going to be hard. It's going to be harder than, than before. It's going to be a whole lot harder. The, the ground, the life itself is not going to be easy. And says, listen, the whole, the, the, even you being a man and doing what you were called to do will not be easy. But I'm going to be with you. And so there's a good news in this whole thing there, all right? Life isn't going to be easy. People are going to be easy. But still, it's going to be, it's going to be hard. You're going to, you know, you're going to make all this effort, and you might not see the returns you would like to see. You're going to go and love somebody and do this and do that, and they're, you know, they're not going to reciprocate that action back. This world, it's going to be hard, but you still got work to do, buddy. Let's do this. And so now notice he, it, at, well, I'll just say this one thing because the reason why it's going to be so hard is because my man's going to be tempted. Like all men will be tempted to do these two things. We're going to be tempted like Adam was, what God is pretty much outlining here. You're going to be tempted to cut corners and cast off all personal responsibility. It is going to be that hard that you're going to want to cut corners and find the easy way out or the easy way to do it 
or your end, you're going to want to cast off all responsibility. See, that, that's kind of what happened at the very beginning. And I got to make, make, sure, make a comment here because God's not mad that, it, that Adam listened to his wife. Listen, husbands, right? It's a good thing to listen to your wife. Very good thing, important thing, critical thing. Please do so, okay? But the thing is, what did he do wrong? See, his wife was leading him and telling him to do something that God said the complete opposite. And so what happened was, is Adam chose to follow his wife rather than God. He chose to follow her voice, not his voice. You see that? That's the danger there. It's important to listen, but that's the thing. Is it, ultimately, we need to listen to the voice of God. And because he didn't, he wanted to cut corners and like, oh, wait, so uh, I can be all like, so I guess maybe the devil was making sense. Maybe he was making sense because she just ate and uh, she didn't die. So maybe God was lying. I don't know. We don't know his thought process. But all we know is the fact that he was leading, the devil was leading both Eve and him to say, uh, there's another way that you can live without God. There's another way. You can, you can cut this corner and you can get there. Listen, because life is going to be hard, it's going to be very easy for us to be tempted to cut every single corner. But it doesn't matter. It's one thing to be effective and efficient. But guys, listen, we cannot be effective and efficient without God. We need him. And we have to avoid what Adam did because what Adam, in essence, did was he chose to sin against God then live without Eve. This is the, how Adam's sin was worse because Eve was deceived. Eve was tricked. She believed, you know what, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I misheard and misunderstood God. She was deceived. Here's the thing about Adam. Adam was not deceived. Adam willingly and knowingly sinned against God. He was not deceived. He wasn't tricked. He knew what was happening. But he just realized, my woman just ate. She just sinned against God. She is going to die. Adam had a choice. Do I honor God and live for him? Or do I follow her lead? Do I follow her lead? Because I don't know if I can live without her. That was what Adam did. Adam says, I would rather sin against God than live without my Eve. He chose Eve, not God. See what that? See how huge that is? That's a bigger. That's a bigger difference. That's why this this thing was so you know so, I mean, gut wrenching to the Lord. It was he just totally let go of it, and so he wanted to cut that corner. He said, "I'd rather have her, not you." That's what happened. And it's going to be so easy for us guys because the world is going to be whispering and leading and guiding us to say, "Hey, choose this. Choose this, not him. Choose that, not his." We have to be able to hear that and recognize those lies and say, no, I will choose the Lord. And even when we realize our mistakes, we come back to him. So if we're going to be tempted, fellas are going to be tempted to cut corners, but we're also going to be tempted to do what he did, cast off all personal responsibility. What did, God, what did Adam say to God when, when he said, what happened? Look, I ain't do anything, bro. That was her. I ain't do nothing. All right? This one over here, the woman you gave me. I'm just, I was out here chilling, doing, you know, and then boom, out of nowhere, I got this fruit in my mouth, man. I didn't do anything. Okay? That's going to be also our temptation, fellas, is to cast off all personal responsibility, not only of our mistakes, but of our role. Because here's another thing, guys. I'm telling you, man, Adam was fumbling the ball left and right. Not only did he say, I'm going to choose Eve, not God. Here's something amazing that it goes unnoticed. 
When the devil was talking to Eve, Adam was right next to her. Adam wasn't somewhere else. Because how do we know that? Because Eve ate, turned, and gave. He was right there the whole time. And so when the devil starts spitting his game and starts twisting the lies, Adam at some point should be like, uh, well, hold on a second. Uh, who are you? Uh, Adam should have stepped up. Adam should have been there and be like, oh, hold on, baby. Whoa, 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 who's, who's this? Who's this? Who's this? I don't know. I don't, I don't know him. I don't know him. Where'd you come from? All right. That's, he should have stepped up. He didn't. He sat there listening. Oh, okay. Eve was like, baby, I got this. Okay. All right, all right. Do you? Do you? He sat there. Never once as he's twisting the lies and as Eve is deceiving, never once does Adam go, babe, he's lying. Never once. He stayed silent the entire time as the devil was talking and twisting the truth of God, you know, shaming his character and his nature. Adam remained silent. And as she is going to eat, which he believed, he said, God said those who eat of that will die. As she's about to eat, my man doesn't slap it out of her hand. He doesn't go and tackle her like, baby, no. Don't do it. No. No. You know, he doesn't do that. He lets her eat. He remained silent. He remained still. And let her bride, let his bride, you know, be led and deceived in that way. He failed. You know what Adam should have done? Listen to this. When God said, Adam, what happened? You know what Adam should have done? He should have said, God, here I am. Where are you, Adam? He said, here I am. What happened? Okay. Me and Eve, we ate from the tree that you said not to eat. The serpent deceived her, tricked her, made her think that you were lying, and she ate. But here's the thing. I didn't say anything. I didn't defend you. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't combat the, his lies with your truth that you told me. I remained silent. And as she ate, I didn't stop her. I remained still. Listen, God, I take full responsibility for her faults. I take full responsibility for what she did. I failed her. Spare her life. Take mine. That's what Adam should have done. And he didn't. He failed. Guys, that is why the scripture says we needed a second Adam. His name was Jesus. And see, unlike the first Adam, Jesus did not remain silent. Since the beginning, he, God has been vocal about the truth, combating the truth, uh, well, combating the lies of the enemy with his truth. Yet it is us who plugged our ears. Jesus cannot be guilty of remaining silent. And we know that God cannot be guilty of remaining still because we have it documented from the very beginning all that he has done and is still doing today to help us to, to avoid being led and deceived and to choose him, yet we continually stiff-arm him. But yet here Jesus stood in front of the Father on the cross and said, Lord, my Father, you know. I have not remained silent. You know I have not remained still. Yet my bride still chose to reject you and to follow the devil. Even though I have done nothing wrong. Take my life. Spare hers. 
I take full responsibility for their faults, though I have done nothing. And Jesus, on the cross, did what the first Adam failed to do. And because he gave his life for something that he didn't do, those who call on the name of Jesus can now have life. You see that? Jesus succeeded where the first Adam failed. And now because of that, because of that act right there, that selfless, sacrificial act, we can have life. But it is also, it is also how both men and women, and especially men, ought to reflect the sacrificial love of Jesus and what he did. And that is what we're called to do. I mean, when it comes to being godly men, if you are single, unmarried, listen, you start at home. It's called honor your mother. That's where it starts. Honor your mother. That means that you're listening to her. You're, you're, you're you know, honoring her voice, her, her opinions, the fact that she's smarter than you because you just showed up in this world. You haven't figured it out. Okay, it is trusting her. It is not twisting, hiding, going behind her back, not manipulating her, knowing she's just going to forgive me anyway, so I'm going to do whatever I want. That's not love. That is, that is abusing her love, not taking, it, not taking it for, you know, you're taking it for granted. You honor her because here's why honoring your mother is so important because that is the most important, the first female relationship that most men have. And the way that you treat your mom, you are practicing how you will treat your wife. It's important. It's a big one there. Honoring your mother is important because it is honoring the women in your life. Their role and their responsibility it is important. And if we're not doing it, you need to repent from that and ask the Lord, help me to honor my mother more. So that's how it works if you are not in a relationship, if you are not married. But it, it works similar but a little different if you are married. Because we are called to, again, live that sacrificial life like Jesus Towards our moms and especially towards our wives. Ephesians 5, 20, can we, we, I think we got it on the screen. Ephesians 5, 21 says, husbands and wives submit to each other. Then it says, wives, submit to your husbands, uh, respect them. And then look what he says here, uh, Paul says in Ephesians 5, 25. He says, husbands, he just said earlier, submit to your wife. How does it look like to submit to your wife? Husbands, love your wives. Love, submit. That's how you do it. Love her just as how Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of the water of the word. In that same sacrificial love that Jesus showed to his bride, the church, if you are in a married relationship or desire to be married, here is, that's the goal. That is what you, that's your role and responsibility. You submit to your wife, how? By loving her. How do you do that? By serving her. That's what it is, which is it's just amazing. The world, the trends of this world flip the responsibilities and roles of men and women. The feminists say men need to respect us. And the machismo men say what? Women need to serve us. It's flipped. We are demanding from the other what God demands of us. Listen, yes. Men ought to serve women, and men, I'm sorry, men ought to respect women, and women ought to serve. But listen to what the role is. God says, women, you need to respect them. Men, you need to serve them. Don't demand them to serve you, and you don't want to serve No, you go love them. That's what submitting is, which I love that. Listen, I know everybody, all these fellows for years, and like, you know, women need to submit to men. All right, cool. But fellas, you got to give her something to submit to. All right, I can go, I, gotta, I can have keys right now, and if I wanted to go to the wall and hang my keys on a hook, 
I need to have a hook. If there's no hook and I put the keys, I let it go. The keys are going to fall. You got to give, lady, listen, fellas, you got to give that girl something to submit to. And how do you do that? By first, you got to submit to God. How dare you demand that your wife submit to you and you don't want to submit to God? Starts with you. Starts with you. And maybe what if she's being a little defensive because she knows you, I got nothing to submit to. If I give and give myself to you in that way, you're going to let me down. Because I'm not seeing the very thing in you that you're asking of me. It starts with us. We need to be willing to do that, not cast off that responsibility, not cut corners, but be willing to submit in that way. Listen, fellas in the home, fathers, and if you're married, this is important. You lay down your life as you lead. That is what you're called to do, like Jesus did. He laid down his life. He gave. And listen, Jesus was no punk. Let's just stop there. Because I'm like, ugh. Okay, that's what? That's not appetizing. That doesn't sound good. I, I ain't see Jesus as no punk. He said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. All right? I know, ladies, we talked about, you know, oh, you are the helper of the home. That's the same description that we see of the Holy Spirit. He is our helper. Holy Spirit don't look at help as, that, you know, being a helper is something ill. All right? And why should we, if Jesus says, I'm here to be the chief servant, how, can, how dare we as men say, I'm not going to submit myself to that? When Jesus himself did, are we, are we better than him? No. See, we are called to do just that. That is how we lead. But we, that doesn't mean we have to be one of them, yes, dear fools. Yes, dear. What do you, yes, dear. You know, be one of those guys. No, you don't got to be one of those guys. Just what, whatever you want, dear, yes, dear. You know, okay. Sure, yeah, yeah, whatever you, yes, dear, yeah, yes, dear, yes, dear. No, okay? Sometimes be like, listen, okay? <laughs> Not like that either. But look, you, it doesn't mean you got to be one of these yes, dear, bumbling buffoons. No, that's the opposite. Because here's the thing. So many of us, especially in, in a culture that wants to, you know, value, which we should. You know, there is no, you can't find anything in, in human history, in antiquity, okay? Any advancements that we've seen, especially... With the treatment of women, man, comes from God. It's, it's, it's been him. It's in his heart. But at the same time, it doesn't mean, fellas, oh, to empower her, meaning I got to let her do my job. No, you cannot have her do your job plus hers. That's what sometimes that's what the yes, dear fools want to do. They don't want to make any decisions. They don't want to do anything. They just want to be that boy. And it's like, let her run the show. You know, this is how I'm supposed to do yes, dear. You know, it's like, no, it's, you have a role and responsibility that she ought to respect, and so should you. And you got to be willing to say, it is not. And notice, it is not one of dominating. It is one of servanthood. See that? Listen, honestly, dating, learn, dating is, is learning how to do this. If you're married, it is a race to the back of the line. That is, what, that is a relation. It is a race to the back of the line. Who's going to outserve the other? That's what it is. That's what it should look like, not to see who's going to lead. That's what the world says. Dominate. It's like you're playing, you know, you ever done that trying to, with a baseball bat, right? Right? You know one of those, like, all right, who's? And then it's like fighting for the top. No, we are doing the opposite. It is fighting to serve each other. That is what we're called to do. Again, like we said last week, females are the co-pilots or the wives are the co-pilots. That means the men are the pilots. There is a role. Both are equal. Both are pilots. Both are needed to fly the plane. But man, God looks at the man and says, but you are the pilot. There is something unique that you must do, and you just don't, don't sit back and let her run the show. And you better not abuse your role and responsibility or else. Do you guys know that God said an or else? He told Peter this. Peter wrote this down. I'm like, I got to tell y'all. Look at 2 Peter 3.7, guys, and we're going to start wrapping this up. Look at 2 Peter 3.7. We're going to put it on the screen. If you have it. 
Go ahead, flip to it. If not, here it is. Look, 2 Peter 3.7. Peter is talking to husbands saying, oh, husbands, by the way, in the same way, in the context, he was talking about doing good towards one another, being a reflection of God. It says, in the same way, all right, in the same way, live with your wives. With what? In an understanding way. Like, you got to do your work to understand her, understand her feelings, to understand what she's trying to say. I know it's not easy. Remember, what was God saying? Uh, it's going to be hard work, and none of this is going to be easy. Okay? I think girls on purpose kind of try to keep you guessing just because make it exciting. All right? I mean, they try to literally be shifting all the time. I'm like, man. All right? They, they, they make you work for it. All right? Which is a good thing, fellas. That's a good thing. So, but you got to live your life in a way, understand in an understanding way. Understand her her and what, what God is trying to do in her and all that. As with a weaker partner, pause, leave, the, leave this verses up. Whoa, hold on. It's a weaker partner. Who is she? I know some of y'all might have got a little, you know. Okay, listen, ladies, weaker partner, this is what that means. And fellas, this does not mean that, oh no, you know, because she's the weaker one, that uh, we have to like, you know, walk around like on eggshells or, or protect, because, oh, well, you know, if she doesn't have a strong man, then, oh no, you know, no. Okay, it doesn't mean that. The weaker partner, that phrase, can we put up a little brighter? That weaker partner means something that is valuable yet delicate. Let me give you two analogies. In essence, treat her. Treat her. Like, I'm going to modernize it. It's like saying, treat her, fellas. Some of you guys do this, not everybody. Treat her like you do your car. For those of you that, man, y'all take care, y'all love your cars, right? Those that like their cars, what do you do? You make sure your baby is washed, right? Up, to, you know, boom, vacuumed. Smelling good, looking good, full tank. You ain't putting 87 in that, right? You're not putting an 87 in her and not, not in your baby. You give her premium, ultra plus, whatever, right? Whatever's the top. That's what you're doing, right? You, you put the tires on it. You polish that. You, you, like, that's, and, and why do you do that? Oh, because your, your car is so, no, because it's important to you. It's valuable. You're not going to let anybody drive your car. And you're going to be a little less cautious because you don't want to bump into anything. You don't want, you're going to park your car away from everybody because you don't want anyone to ding it up in the parking lot, right? You, that's what you do with your car. Why? Because you love your car. Because it's important. Treat your women like that, fellas. As something like, man, you, you know, you, that's the same thing. Now, I'm not a car guy. Okay, I'm not that guy. My car is dirty. Okay, my, I just is. I'm not that guy. But in other things, like, I, I mean, I'm very meticulous in planning and in doing and, and in certain things. So, listen, we all have that one thing. When he says treat them as that weaker partner, meaning as something valuable that, that you are taking care of, that, that you are investing in. Fellas, we are called in the home. You are called to create an environment where your wife can thrive. That's on you. It is you to create an environment for your wife to thrive in. And that's what he's saying here, showing them honor. Look, you are co-heirs, meaning that both have the promise of God. That's what that means. You have co-heirs. So, uh-oh, so that your prayers will not go unhindered, will not go hindered. God has literally just told Peter. Peter's like, I got to write this down. I got to tell somebody. Fellas, do you know that if you mistreat your role as a husband, God's not going to listen to your prayers anymore. Do you know there is no verse in the Bible that says, wives, if you don't, I'm not going to hear your prayers. Do you know that there's no such verse? Do I have any ladies in the house that are like, I would like to file a complaint in heaven for equal treatment? That is prejudice. I, you know, God should treat us. No, I'm sorry. All you, oh, we good with that. All right. That's the, you, God, I don't got a problem with that unequal treatment right there. Let him. Okay. I'm, no complaints here. But men, 
you mistreat your wife, you don't do your job, I'm not going to listen to your prayers because that's my daughter you're messing with. You see how God is? You see how the Father is? It's huge. And so this role and responsibility is so important. And as fellas, here's what the biggest takeaway that we got to see. And this is a thing of honor. And, and this is not to beat up the fellas. It is to in, get you to see that you are made for something so much more where the world tells you, oh, to be a man is to, right? You got you to flex that straight. You got to tell them who it is. You got to be that kind of guy. It's always whatever. Listen, there's some little tiny T truth to that. But the ultimate truth is men are called to be servant leaders. Women are called to be nurturing helpers. We're called to be servant leaders. And let me tell you, if you're not serving, you're not leading. And if you're not leading in the way you're serving, you are living beneath the standard of what God defines as a man. You are called to be a servant leader. And I know this is hard because the world says, why? No, 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 forget them. Cut that corner. Why do you want to, why, why do you want to live a self, why do you want to live selflessly and sacrificially when you can do the opposite and enjoy instant pleasure? You can live for yourself and have instant pleasure. You can sacrifice for you and enjoy life. Why do the other when you can have instant pleasure? Hey, there's a little bit of truth to that. But let me tell you, fellas, what do you want to do? Would you rather live your life and have fun or leave a legacy? A good one. You can do that. You can live for you and you'll have fun, but that fun's going to fade away. Or you can live sacrificially, lovingly, and leave a legacy that will outlast you and impact generations to come. I'm sorry. That is a no-brainer. And I want you guys to know that God is looking. God is looking for people. God is looking for boys who want to be men like that. And it is only him. It is by his grace that we can do that. It is by his power in us to shape us, to follow, to be a reflection of Christ in all that we do. To not live for ourselves, but to live for the one who gave his life up for us. That, we find life there. There is nothing demeaning about being a servant leader. God says, for the first will be last, and the last will be first. Guys, I want you to know that the greatest honor and the greatest role in the kingdom of God is that of a servant. There is nothing better. Nothing better than being a servant of the living God. There is nothing demeaning about that. It is fulfilling beyond measure. And God is looking for fellows who want to be transformed in that way. And it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard because the boy in you is going to always be there. That flesh in you is going to always want to be there to cast off responsibility and to cut corners. The boy in you is always going to want to make excuses. When God wants to turn you into a man that's going to take responsibility. The boy in you is going to always want to do the minimum just to get by. But God is calling men to say, no, go above and beyond because it's the right thing to do. The boy in you is going to lack self-control, but God says, no, I can turn you into a man that's going to develop self-control. The boy in you is going to want to pursue power to manipulate others, but God is looking to transform, transform some boys into men that will leverage their power to mature others. The boy in you is just going to want to look to impress, but God wants to turn you into a man that will inspire. The boys lead others into sin. But men lead others to their Savior. Okay? The boy in you is going to want to give up too soon, but the, God, the man that God is developing in you will give it their all. 
Boys only play and heartily pray. But God wants to turn you into a man that not only plays and knows how to play, but always prioritizes their time to pray and to spend time with God. Listen, the boy in you is selfish. But the man that God wants to make you into is going to be selfless. The boy in you loves the world. But the man, true men know to love their one true God. The boy in you wants to follow his heart. But God wants to turn you into a man that follows Christ. That is what God wants to do. And I told you at the beginning, this isn't going to be easy. But good news, just because it's hard doesn't mean it's impossible. Because that is what Jesus is for. That is what the Holy Spirit of the living God is for. God is looking for men. He is calling us out just like he was with Adam walking in the world and saying, Adam, where are you? God is walking in our homes looking for men. Where are the men in this home? And where are the men in this church and his church as a whole? Where are the men here? Where are the men in this world? He is looking to be able to do and to make that transformation. He's looking in the world and says, "Uh, Tito, where are you? Tito, where are you? Isaac, where are you? Mark, where are you? Richard, where are you? Okay, where are you? Mateo, where are you? Adrian, where are you? Michael, where are you? John, Okay, Mark, whoever, everybody else, where are you? Josue, Jeremiah, Josiah, where are you? He is looking for men to stand up and say, here I am. Here I am, Lord. I ain't perfect. That's not what God's looking for. He's looking. He's looking for someone who just wants to be available. That's it. He's not looking for perfection. He's not looking for men with great abilities. He's just looking for men to be available so he can Do something in you that only he can do. There is nothing demeaning about this. There's nothing better than to be that kind of a man that reflects Christ and reflects their heavenly father into this world. Now, God is not only calling all of the males. Listen, he's calling all of us. He's calling all of us. He calls us all by name. All by name, since the garden, since Jesus left that empty tomb, he is calling all of us to step out of our emptiness, to step out of our tombs, to step out of the lives of this world and say yes to Jesus. Say yes to him. And all who answer the call, all who answer the call, find a sense of joy and fulfillment that you can't find anywhere else. And it happens when you receive Christ as Savior of your soul, Follow him as Lord of your life. Are you willing to answer the call today? I want to pray with you right now, and I pray that you do. So let's all bow our heads and pray. Just want you to reflect on what God, there's a lot of, you know, both men and women. God is talking to all of us today. I know it. And I want you to take a minute and respond to him. Lord, I thank you that you still, Lord, you do not remain silent and that your spirit is constantly calling us, leading us into the truth. You are calling us, Lord, inviting us to believe and receive and to humble ourselves before you so God you can do what only you can do and I pray in this moment each and every one of us may take that step of faith if you're praying right now if you felt convicted when it comes to your treatment of your mom if you feel like you were not honoring her in a kind of way then that is something that you need to right now repent of and then when we wrap up here go and just say listen mom I am sorry if, if you're hiding something from your mom, you got to go admit that right now. If you're not honoring her in a kind of way, do so. If you have a mother who you have not honored and she is no longer around and you can't tell her, I'm sorry, 
Listen, you can talk to your Heavenly Father. You can repent right now. Say, Lord, forgive me for not appreciating the mother that you gave me. Lord, forgive me, and God will forgive you and wipe away all that guilt right now, all right? Just go ahead and do it. For some of you, if you're, a, if you're, a, if you're married and you feel like, man, you know what? Yep, I'm not, I'm not being that kind of way. No wonder I feel distant from God. I'm not acting in my role and rights. I am maybe I'm either dominating or I'm just taking it easy. I'm letting her do the show. Lord, forgive me. I repent. Help me to be that man. And I pray that every wife may learn to be able to help mature him. God, that you may use them, Lord, to be able to be more like you and all that they do. God, I thank you. Again, Lord, you're not looking for people with great abilities and, and perfect people. You were looking for Adam and he failed. You were looking for Adam and he was already messing up. But you were looking for him. And I'm so, so grateful, Lord, that you were looking for us. And God, may we be men that say, Lord, here I am. Here I am, Lord. Take all of me. Take all of me. I pray in the name of Jesus for every, every fellow that's in this house that wants to be that. Lord says, God, help me be. Help me be that man of God. God, I pray that you may replace right now, Lord. I pray that the spirit of the living God, that your voice may be so much louder as the lies of this enemy are condemning them, saying, no, you can't, or you're not enough, or you've already messed here, 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 here. May they hear that from the cross, you screaming, no, you are forgiven. If you call on my name, you are loved, you are accepted. You are mine. You are mine. And my purpose is in you. My spirit is in you. You are mine. May we believe and receive that truth and reject the lies of the enemy in the name of Jesus. And God, may you give us now, open up our eyes. Open up our eyes to the men in, the, in, in our church and the men, Lord, here that are listening to help us to see how can we serve better in our home? How can we serve in our church? How can we serve in our community? How can we be a light to you? And may we be a reflection of you, Christ, in laying down our lives for others out of honor for who you are. And I pray for all, Lord, that are looking for joy and fulfillment in this world, men and women, regardless. Listen, whether you are here online or in person, you're going to find nothing that can satisfy your soul more than Christ. Nothing. You are destined to be a son and daughter of God. And that only happens not by our achievement, not by your actions, only by the grace of God through faith. And all you do is just believe and receive that Jesus is who he says he is. Lord of your life, that God sent his, the Father, sent the Son into the world. So that all who believe, because he loved us, so that all who believe would not die but have eternal life. I pray for all of us watching online and hearing this person, and hearing in person, just receive that in Jesus' name and pray. God, I believe. I believe in you, Jesus. God, I, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can follow you. God, I thank you because, Lord, this isn't going to be easy. Following you is not going to be easy, but we have the Spirit of the living God in us. The same Spirit that rose you and raised you up from the dead is the same Spirit that can pick us up when we fall. The same Spirit that can help us to dominate our own thoughts when we go haywire. The same Spirit that can help us to have self-control over our emotions and to live for you and to be strong in laying ourselves down. God, I thank you for that. God, and I pray that we, all of us here, may be that greater reflection of you. Just take a second and thank your Heavenly Father who loves you this much 
He takes all the lonely and puts them in families. God is doing that right now. He is taking the lonely and putting them in families like we said this morning and giving you a sense of purpose. God, I thank you for what you have done and I thank you for what you still plan to do. I bless your name and we give you all the glory and honor and I bless your people. God, that we may be able to see and hear Lord, that there you are, always there, always with us, ready, ready, ready to be able to lead us and shape us into what you desire for us to be so that we can know you and make you known. God, may that be so. May your kingdom come in our lives and your will be done and the work of the enemy be undone. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. And if you believe it, say amen with me. So I ask, is there anyone listening that is man enough to answer the call of God and say, here I am? That's it. That's it. God is looking for availability. Availability so that he can display his ability through us. And men, let me talk to you. All right. There is no higher calling in this world than that of a servant. All right, that is nothing, nothing to look down on, nothing to be ashamed of. Christ didn't, neither should we. And I pray for all of us that you may be encouraged, whether you are male or female. Listen, God made you that way. He made you that way for a purpose to reflect his glory. And you are going to find true fulfillment when you embrace all that God is and all that he has said and all that he invites us to do. All right. So when it comes to being the kind of revolutionaries that Jesus is looking for, it's those who revolve even their identities, their self, all right, around Christ and the truth, not the trends of this world. And speaking of trends, we are going to next week, we are going to tackle a whole lot at the end before this month is over. And we're going to focus on a lot of uh, identities, whether that is uh, gender, sexual, and any other identity that we can cram into a 45 minute message. We're going to talk about that next week because our identity is huge. There's a truth that we must seek and reject the trends regarding who we are. Until then, God bless you guys.